0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Game Line. Uh, my name is Matt Southpoon and I'm delighted to be joined by our uh, rugby writer Simon Thomas uh, with me in Cardiff and Ben James out in Cape Town with the Lions. Uh, good morning chaps, how are we doing?
1: Well, we're a lot hotter here than Ben is in Cape Town by the sound of it. He's chosen the <laughs> perfect time to just as very well scorching here Now, yeah, now, now it's the turn of the Lions to show if they can scorch the spring yeah, absolutely. Just
0: one more bit of housekeeping before we get into it. Um, this uh, chat will be available in podcast form later on today. If you want to take us on the move with you, just search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be there. Right, let's jump straight in. Uh, ben, the Lions have just named their team uh, for the first test. There it is going across the bottom of your screen. Um, I suppose the, the first place to start really is is with Alan Wayne Jones. Um you know, we'll face the Springboks in the first test and captain decide four weeks after dislocating his shoulder against Japan.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's an absolutely ridiculous comeback, isn't it? And you, you sensed, well, any any other player, you feel this wouldn't have happened, but, you know, Alan Wynn sort of continues to defy what scientists expect from a human being. He's um, He's just an absolute machine. And I think it's technically this will be his 10th Test cap for the Lions. It could well be 11th. I don't know if the Japan game is going to get retroactive, you know, retrospectively capped, but 10th, that's the first player in the professional era to reach that milestone. I think Graham Price got about 13. Am I right, Simon?
1: Well, Pricey, you know, three tests in a row, incredible. But, I mean, those two now do really stand right up there with the likes of uh, Willie, Willie John McBride, really. You know, Lions yeah. cons, I think the phrase would be.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we, we'd had these whispers all throughout the tour that, you know, uh, Alan Wynn was potentially coming back and he was recovering well. And I think as soon as we got those whispers, it was obvious that he was going to come back. And once he'd come back on last week's, you know, off the bench against the Stormers, then it became pretty obvious he was going to be in this test team. Stuart Hogg was speaking about him yesterday and about what a boost it was to having camp and quite interestingly about how he sort of Hogg was the captain on Saturday against the Stormers. And now Alan Wynn was, Sort of very happy to let Hogg sort of run the ship, and he'd come up to him with points, but he he wouldn't put his message across. He he wanted Hogg to do that himself. Uh, so I think for the Lions players, you know Stuart Hogg admitted he was delighted when he first saw Alan Wynn sort of step back into camp because he, he he heard bits and pieces, but they weren't fully expecting it. So um, it's it's a massive boost for the Lions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've had a few uh, comments coming in. Um... Uh Stuart, Pe- Stuart Morris, sorry, saying Alan Wynne Jones, 10th Lions Camp, what an achievement. Uh Sarah Pretty saying legend. Uh here Jonathan Davis. Not sure if it's the Jonathan Davis, but uh, the ultimate player, a Welsh which legend. Which one? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh keep your comments coming in, guys, and sending any questions that you have got, and we'll keep reacting to them. So I just want to bring you in on the Alan Wynne Jones stuff as well. Um, you no, know, obviously he hasn't had a lot of game time in the last few weeks, has just been rehabbing. There are many players I can think of that Warren Gatlin would afford so much time to, but what do you think it says about Alan Wynn and perhaps his relationship with Warren
1: Gatlin that they've given him this opportunity? Well, I mean, this was the plan, wasn't it? He was going, you know, April, May, June. He was going to be the Lions test captain in the first test. So, and obviously what happened happened, but provided that they were con- convinced and happy in their own mind after sort of getting the reports back from Wales where he was training, following his dislocated shoulder. They'd have had all the medical updates, all the rehab, then they'd have seen him in person when he arrived. Then they saw him on the pitch, you know, in, in the last uh, game when he came on as a sub. At the end of the day, they've watched him and they've made a decision. Yeah, he's ready to go. How long he'll have. You know, maybe not as long as he would have. If he'd have had a, a, a more game under his belt, you might see him get 50 minutes or so. But just as an inspirational totemic leader, um, it makes absolute sense. Uh, he's still an, an absolute workhorse. And I guess you do have to say that you know the game they lost on tour against South Figuere. Right? There were some question marks over over the captaincy decisions. There, you know, the man who's in the role in his place, Connor Murray. A um, few questions raised over the decision making when the Lions were up against thirteen men. So it's going to be crucial. Um, there's a you know ex- relatively inexperienced referee in um, the 37-year-old Australian Nick Barry. Uh, you know he. He's a strong referee, but you know, having an experienced captain is always vitally important, particularly in that situation. And he's going to have a big role to play in setting the standards in the, in the opening few minutes. And because Gatland has not been the opening half, really. Gatland talked in his press release today about how they were too slow to get up and running against the, the surfing array. They'll be looking for a big, big dynamic start, and Alan Wynne will be at the forefront of that. Yeah
2: touching on that captaincy thing I think obviously that the Lions will be delighted that Alan Wentz back but I don't think they'll be too disheartened with how things went against South Africa and the captaincy stakes I think a lot of and it's it's a lot easier to say it after you know, you've lost and it it sounds a bit like excuses but I think a lot of the decisions they made that night were sort of holding things back for the Test series I don't think uh, if we get to a similar position on on Saturday or a week Saturday or two weeks Saturday, that the, the Lions are going to be tapping and going for about five, 10 minutes and, and consistently doing that. I think they were deliberately sort of holding back line moves and scrum moves and, and even a little bit of their attacking game plan. I think it was, they played a quite sort of simplified uh, game plan against the, the Box A team. So I don't, think, I don't think they'll be sort of losing too much sleep o- over that.
1: The bit we'll never know is what Wynn would have done, you know. would He have stuck to the... Because obviously it was the plan, wasn't it? We're going to do yeah, this. Like, um, would he have got up on, I've had enough of this. Would he have just said, <laughs> right, screw up. We don't know, do we? But, yeah, I think um, there's a lot kept in reserve. And uh, it's just fascinating for me to see how this team... I had a few thoughts on the team, actually. First thing I would say is hats off to Alex Lowe of the Times, one of our sort of rivals, but also colleagues, you know, reported the team last night, whoever he got in, we don't know. Um, absolutely spot on with the starting 15. I've had a few people come on to me, you might have views on this place, you know, why would you do this as journalists? Why would you Why did you give the team out early? Why did you give the opposition the news? Well, there's various things. I mean, ultimately, it might not be everybody's cup of tea and it might be a, not be a job for everyone, but it is a big part of the job. I've been doing this in a long time and there's always been pressure to try and get the team. And Why? Well, because the public are interested, I noticed when we reported last night, and what the Times were reporting was the most read piece on our website, Ben, that you wrote up. So there is a market. There's an appetite for it, and you know if you find out that information, you're going to report it. And fair play, you know, you got it spot on. The only change is on the bench where Liam Williams is there rather than Ian Henderson, which kind of makes more sense, you know. One wonders whether the fact that South Africa ditched the bomb squad, the 6-2 split on the bench, went to a more traditional 5-3 for COVID-related reasons, has that maybe seen a change of the lines? We don't know. We don't know whether Liam was there all along. And I guess Liam did have the knock last week, so perhaps they were waiting to see on that. But in general on the team, as for what well, I think of it, well, I suppose the surprise is anyone should be surprised, really, because it's hardly the first time in his coaching career that Warren Gatton has gone for size, power, and physicality. And if you're ever going to do that, you're probably going to do that against the Springboks. In his comments on the press release with the team, he talks about it being an arm wrestle. He talks about the need to front up physically, especially in the opening half. And he's picked the team to do that. He's gone for big, big men. You know, he's gone for, you know, no Toby Toby Feliczau, but he's gone for Jack Cohn a big, dynamic Close quarter ball carrier. He's gone for Courtney Laws at six rather than Tyke Byrne. Courtney Laws, hugely sort of dominant in the tackle, abrasive, big physical man. And, of course, on the wing, he's gone for Jordan van der Merwe rather than Josh Adams. And again, power. You, you go back to what Gatland did a number of times consistently in his time in the Wales. We had big men on the wing, didn't he, in George North and, and Alice Cuthbert. So it gets, it's gone for size, really. Uh, not gone for a playmaking 12 in Farrell, has gone for a big, strong carrier in Henshaw. Big men, big, big men. And, of course, the debate is, when you play the box, do you try and match them physically or should you try and get round them? He's going to try and fight front up physically and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, we got lots of comments coming in uh, about the the selection or non selection of Josh Adams and um Sally's jumped the gun a little bit there, but it's gonna to come to that next. Uh, James Copley asking, Are you guys surprised by the emissions of Josh Adams and Talupe Falatau? Um, if we start with with Adams first, Ben, I mean my my gut reaction to this is that there's there's an injury or there is um you know, I, I have no information on this, but you know, his partner gave birth last week and he, he wasn't there for it. You know, what sort of frame of mind is he in? Maybe he's not quite there. Um, I think that's a, an outrageous decision if it's just a selection decision. Um I wanna know what your thoughts are on it.
2: Um yeah, I mean there's a lot you can sort of read into these things, you know. Um his partner gave birth last Wednesday night, sort of during the the South Africa A game. So he pulled out of that game. Then he played against the Stormers three days later. Um, didn't have his best game by his standards. The only game on this tour that he's not scored in spoke afterwards about how it was quite an emotional experience. He did take a bit of a knock as well, but the Lions haven't really said anything about that. So th- there's a couple of things there that you could, you could look at as being reasons for why he's, he's not in this team. You know, maybe he has found it a sort of quite tough um, in the last week, you know, being so far apart from his partner, or, or maybe he has taken a knock and, and that was worse than, than previously thought. But, Simon mentioned it there, and it, it, it's about big men. And if you look at the balance of this this team, the Lions were never going to have a big ball carrier at eight. So that was one thing they were always missing out on. They were missing out on potentially big ball carriers in the past, and it's about how you go around doing that. And we know with Gatland, he likes to do that with big wingers and big centers. We got Henshaw in midfield. And Duan van der Merwe, I think to him, is just... He's, He's something of a temptation for Gatlin that I don't think he can resist because he's big, he's explosive. He's got that X factor going forward. I think he's going to get tested severely defensively against Cheslin Colby or Mapimpi, whoever he lines up against. And that's why I'm really surprised that Adams isn't in, not because of his try scoring record, which we know is fantastic, not because of what he does going forward, but because out of the four wingers in this squad, I think he's the best defensively. I think he reads the game really well. He can play fullback, so he's got a really good knack of reading, sort of reading... Backlines and, and and where to step in and I think that's why I'm surprised because I don't think we're gonna you know there's not going to be too many opportunities in these test matches it's about being solid it's the word patience being used so much you know it's a it's about matching the box physically to begin with and then being patient and waiting for these opportunities to come and if you're talking about someone who can sort of do that be patient be solid
1: and then take the opportunities well it's Josh Adams you have to say it's been one heck of a roller coaster ride for Josh Adams in 2021. I mean, you think back on it: suspended at the start of the Six Nations for in that you know bre- breaching the COVID regulations in terms of the gender reveal party, then is recalled, gets on gets back on his try scoring run, carries that form on when he's played for Cardiff, hits the ground running against Japan, carries on in South Africa, the tries just keep on coming. Then he has the the emotional sort of of being involved by the kind of Zoom call, I guess, you know, the the birth of his first child. And then he has this to deal with. I mean, he's gone through the full gamut and range of emotions, hasn't he? And it is an interesting one. I mean, we can only go on on what we're told by the Lions. And Neil Jenkins was up yesterday and he said that um, the only player unavailable to do injury is Finn Russell. So we have to, from that... Just you know, take the the, the view that both Adams and Seyfala Tower are selection decisions, and again that then brings you back to size, doesn't it? I mean, Ben mentioned the defensive fragility. Scottish fans get you know quite animated when you suggest this because it's it's almost become the go-to thing to say about Van Murder, isn't it? Is there a defensive issue? I mean, if we think back to the Six Nations. There were a couple of times where his size and his turning arc made him a little bit vulnerable. You um, think of Samit's try. Uh, up in Scotland where you know he wasn't able to get back and deal with that situation and there have been a few occasions but you know um has he actually missed that many tackles on this tour I'd be interested to see the stats maybe compared to other people but what you do know is you just as ben rightly says he can come in and he will he will take contact and he will break through people what i would not as much as the defensive issue the one thing I would wonder is how good is he under the high ball? The one thing you know about South Africa from the World Cup is Faf de Klerk is, it, is going to send a series of bombs up in the air. And Josh Adams has shown, perhaps particularly on an offensive point of view, he's very good under the high ball. Is van de der Merwe strong in that area? Is he going to be able to deal with the quick feet of Colbert being a big frame? These are the big tests. I mean, I don't think there's any question but when he gets the ball, van de der Merwe, he can do damage. Of course, the whole issue will be... How is he going to cope on the other side of the ball?
0: Yeah, as, as, as we're on on air, here, I'm just uh, hearing some uh, live messages. Uh, that that is a selection decision. Uh, the Josh Adams one. There's uh, no injury there. Um, just one of those calls that, that Gatlin has had to make. Not perhaps not something that I would have gone for, but as you've touched on, so si, you know it's not the first time Warren Gatlin has done this, and invariably um, he gets them right. Um, you know, Adams apparently was one of the first to go up to the winger selected and. And offer his support, which doesn't surprise me in the slightest, given uh, the kind of character he is. But that's it. There's no injury. Um, just the selection decision uh, that Josh Adams is not involved on Saturday. Um, so those are the decisions Warren Gatland gets paid the big bucks to make, uh, and we'll see how it works out. Uh, moving on slightly, uh, the other surprising decision, perhaps, well, not perhaps not as much. I don't think, I don't mean to be harsh here, but I'm not sure the form has quite been there on this tour for Faletel, but You know, he's been a bit of a safety blanket over the years, particularly in Warren Gatlin's side. Uh, We know the the quality that he possesses. Um, Got a comment in from Arwen Wynne-Jones here. Do you think selecting Conan over Faletel shows a lot of faith that the Lions will have in the dominant scrum? Faletel is so good when the scrum is not quite as steady. I mean, over the years, we've seen Faletel work, quite frankly, miracles at the back of retreating uh, Welsh scrums at times. Uh, what what do we make of, of that decision, Ben?
1: I, I, th- I thought it was a comment from Alan Wynne-Jones. That was a bit of a scoop. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite that big of an excuse.
2: <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a very good question, That actually. Um, it's, it's something that's not really been thought about, but I think the Lions will be confident that at the very least they can get parity. You, know, you look back to that Box A game last week, and I think that was one of the things that would have really pleased them was was how the scrum went. Obviously, the... The prop combinations we're seeing on, on Saturday haven't played together on this tour which is which is always nice as as most of the combinations on this in this test team haven't played together on this tour but I think they'll be all right on that front um but in terms of Conan ahead of Falato yeah it's not as much of a surprise I think Jack Con- and Conan's sorry been uh he's been the form number eight of this of this tour and, and with the number eight it's, it's very much not a muchness of a muchness, but you're not really sort of... With with Adams and Van Der Merwe. You, you're very much going with one style of player to another. I think the number eight in the squad, they've all been picked to do a certain job, and that's why Unipolo and CJ Stander were overlooked to begin with. It's very dynamic, sort of ball-carrying edge forwards who are going to... These are going to be the guys who are going to move the point of attack and who are going to try and move this box pack around and, and, and beat them that way. And I think... Falatao on his day would be the guy to do that. And it's always a surprise not to see that faith repaid in Falatao simply because of what he's done. But, you know, it's, it's very hard to overlook Jack Conan for what he's done. I'm a little surprised that maybe Falatao or even Sam Simmons haven't been looked at as a bench option. Obviously it changes now they've gone to a five, three, but that's something the Lions have had sort of found a lot of success with, um, in the last couple of weeks, is going for a six-two split, two back rowers, and then as the match goes on, sort of bringing those on to just continually move the point of attack. A lot of tip-on passes, you know, a lot of playing it with a fair bit of width off fly half, you know, a pot of three, very wide, reloading quickly, going again, move move the sort of the box pack around, and, and and don't let their backs reload. That's going to be crucial. And so, yeah, I'm a little surprised that there's no option like that on the bench other than Tyke Byrne but yeah you, you can't complain too much if, you, if you're Toby Falata you, you would yeah. guess Ben would you that
1: maybe Curry is the man who would move to number 8 if there was a requirement to go in that direction yeah I think so I um, for, England, they,
2: for sale yeah you know it wouldn't it wouldn't shock you if Courtney Laws is there to do a sort of job 60 minutes you know just just batter anything in green and then Tyke Byrne comes on at 6 maybe depending on how curry and conan are then you can you can make the call on hamish whether who he comes on for and, and you sort of open it up
1: well the, thing, well the other thing as we said earlier Alan wins probably you know the last 50 55 60 maximum you might have thought, so you you could either have laws or Burn then going into the second yeah. row, couldn't use that option i mean with conan i mean it's interesting, I mean, if you'd have said in April, May time, that Jack Conan was going to start the first test, you'd have got pretty good odds on that, wouldn't you? But, I mean, we've seen a lot of him here in Wales, you know, as um, playing the Pro 14, and um, he is a consistent, consistent player, and he does bring in real dynamic edge as a carrier. Dynamism, dynamism is the word Ben used, I used it as well, I and mean, he's the key word. And it's a word that we thought perhaps Sam Simmons was going to deliver, because that's kind of his explosiveness, but I think perhaps, you know, Conan is slightly more of a kind of, um, I don't know, disciplined player in terms of around the area he plays. He's um, a physical player who will take the ball forward. And the other thing is I think he is very much a liner option. And this team, is, with Alan Wingo into the second row, um, if you look at the options, you, you've got a variety of liner options now because you've got, obviously, Courtney Laws can offer you that. Conan will do so as well. Um, toji obviously a fine athletes awin jones i think that's going to be important it's um it's interesting with with Coteman as well because he he is somebody who will put a huge defensive shift in you know real workhorse in that area and if you look at the selection of laws awin jones as well as always been a defensive animal it i think there's a realization isn't there that when the box do come, they're going to come hard physically. So there's men for that job. The thing that Ben touched on there, which is interesting for me, is the front row battle. Um, it's, a, you know, it's an interesting call that the um, the new Spring Boss coach has gone for. He's kept in reserve what some might see as the strongest front row, all on the bench, Stephen Kirchhoff, Malcolm Marks, um, Malherbe, Frans Malherbe. You know, mighty, mighty front row to come on maybe after 55, 60 minutes. Arguably, the two weaker props are starting in Hockey and Trevon Um I would imagine that the Lions, having gone you know, with the two strongest scrummages probably and Win Wynne-Jones has done as a great tour deserves his place we all know but Furlan's test calibre you would certainly think with Gatlin talking about wanting a good start as opposed to the South Africa a game that's going to be a big area they're going to target and it's an area where the refereeing of Nick Berry will be absolutely crucial
0: I just, just want to come in with a bit of breaking news. You know, has been back on. Apparently, his dad is called Alan wynne Jones, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, it, and apparently, they get very disappointed when he turns up to hotel bookings. And if that is true, I would be trying to use that to my advantage if I was uh, on that <laughs> on. Um, fair enough. I'm Sam Walton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Uh, Plough in on then I know we've We've touched a lot On the Welsh um, Emissions And selections In this side As we naturally would Let's take a bit of A wider look At the, the team That's being picked Then, What are the eye-catching Selections in
2: here For you Ben? Um, I think Ali Price uh, At nine Is something I made a bit of a mistake I called it a shock On on Twitter mm-hmm. um, So I've risked the ire Of Scottish Twitter It It's it's a shock in the sense that I I thought Price deserved to start at nine, but I didn't see Gatlin going for it. I think all the sort of the traveling pack of journalists out there really think that Ali Price has probably been the best of the bunch at scrum half. I don't think Connor Murray's really been anywhere near his best. I don't think Gareth Davis has, has done himself any favors too with his sort of his one start that he had. He didn't really push his, his case. So I think... It's been tough on that. But Ali Price the other night against the Stormers, I think he took a little while to get going. But when he did get going, you know, his delay of passing and, and his speed of speed speed of delivery just really brings forwards onto the gain line well and it sort of stops the defense, sort of reading things and, and biting onto things. And against the box, that's crucial because if you can if you can manipulate where the box are going to tackle and, and when they're going to tackle, well, that's massive. Because if you don't, then They've got the physicality to knock you back, so that that's crucial how they're going to play. The other thing I think someone's just made a comment about it is is Hogger fifteen. Obviously, this is his third Lions tour, and it's you know it's it's basically eight years of hurt over for him now. Four years ago, he was ruled out with a tour when he was arguably the form man. You know, uh, with a with an early injury, took an elbow to his eye, Conor Murray's elbow, I think. Four four years before that, twenty thirteen was just a little bit too soon for him in Australia, but. Yeah, for him, for him to get a start at 15 now, um, he's spoken really candidly on this tour about how much it means. Probably more candidly than he's ever really spoken about it. You know, about how the last four years have been quite tough, and he, he's probably gone to places he didn't expect to, and 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 he's pushed himself to get back here. Um, you know, which we don't we don't tend to see from rugby players often. You know, it's, it can be quite sort of media managed. So when when you see these guys really sort of speaking quite candidly about about their experiences of, of chasing this jersey it reminds you exactly what this tour means and you know the same the same goes for Dan Bigger you know he was here 4 years ago missed out on test selection despite an outstanding tour in New Zealand and it's it's a fantastic thing for him especially you know the sort of the last month or so he's had losing his mother just before
1: tour you know it's it's fantastic that he gets the, a deserved test start it's interesting on fullback I mean, the first thing to say is Liam and Hogg they're both quality players aren't they top quality international yeah. players I guess it depends where you're looking for from your fullback doesn't it I mean it was a big debate in the last Lions tour we, you know, a lot of people thought Lee Halfpenny would be the starting um, 15 and he went for Liam Williams which was a bit of a shock um, and then Liam obviously sort of stayed there for the for the test series um, as I said earlier we know there's going to be a lot of bombs being launched and a lot of them are going to be in the direction of the fullback or ones that the fullback will look to deal with. Um, so who was the better aerial game out of the two? Possibly you'd argue Liam Williams marginally. Um, he's very solid in that area, isn't he? Um, then I guess the question is: once the ball has been received by the fullback, what are you looking to do next? Are you looking to take contact? Are you looking to break into open space? Are you looking to kick? Now Liam's a fine counter-attacker. But in terms of yardage made on the return, there ain't many better in world rugby than Stuart Hogg. So it'll be very interesting for me to see what license he has got to do what he can do best, which is to take on defences in open field. Because he, he does consistently, you look at his record for Scotland, you're talking close on 100 meters made, a lot of games, a lot of games. And that is a big, big factor. You can sort of bring the ball from the back, and get in front of your forwards, it makes a heck of a difference. And yeah, Hog has been a fantastic international player. He's waited his time and his chance has come. As much as we'd love to see Liam play, you know, part of me does feel glad for Hogg because he's had a long wait and he's a quality, quality player. How many times do you twice or three times Six Nations player of the year? You know, you're talking top quality, yeah. And uh, he, he will add a lot. And then you've got Liam on the bench as another option as well. It's a it's a nice it's nice options because you do also got Elliot Daly, isn't he, who can swap around in the back division if need be. So they're they're well covered there. Um they can get the ball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just want to move things along because so I'm conscious of the time is is rumbling on. Um, you touched on it briefly there, Ben, uh, the, the Connor Murray one. Um obviously there was a lot made of this in the Irish press when he was made tour captain uh, in in Allenwyn Jones' absence. Uh to be honest, I felt like the right... You know, when we saw him against Japan, I didn't think it was his best game. And I kind of felt like he needed to have some big games on tour to really cement his place in the starting side. And that never really came. Um. So, you know, like as you touch on, I guess it's not too much shock that he's not starting.
2: No, I don't think so. I think the only thing that sort of was maybe keeping him in, in contention for, for starting is the fact that if you look at Ali Price, you look at Gareth Davis, they're very sort of... Mercurial probably does him a disservice, but they're sort of, you know, sniping around the fringe. It's very live wire scrum halves. Conor Murray's a bit more seasoned, a bit more experienced. You know, he, he's got a... Or he, or he did have an excellent box-kicking game. It's not quite been at its best on this tour, but he, he's sort of the elder statesman who can, who can put his foot on the ball, so to speak, and, and take control of the game. But we haven't really seen that. And I think that's the biggest shame is because I think a large part of what Gatlin would have wanted would have been to have that control from Connor Murray in this test series, to have the box kicking so we can take the pace off the game and we can box kick to the spring box and basically play a a sort of version of the game they play, which is, you know, you kick to compete, you force the errors and you you gain the territory, but we just haven't seen that. I think, you know, it's just not happened for Connor on tour. He's tried to sort of bring back the snipe into his game that we saw when he was at his best, you know, 2018 when they beat the the All Blacks, but yeah, it's just it's just not happened for him. So it, it is cruel, you know. It's a bit like seeing an English batsman sort of the, the, their their runs dry up on their hand at the captaincy, which tends to happen quite a lot. But you know, it's a massive chance for, for Ali Price to to sort of show what he's worth.
1: I mean, again, for me, it comes back to dynamism. That will keyword. If you look at it, Price will just bring that extra bit of zip, slightly quicker. You look at Luke Cowan-Dickey, dynamic ball carrier. You know, you look at Curry, dynamic ball carrier. we talked yeah. about Conan already. It's doing things quickly and gaining across the game line, perhaps with pace as much as power. We talked about this being a power-orientated team, but I think they would look to do things quickly as well. And, and Price does bring that extra zip and probably that extra yard of pace to the back line. So, yeah, I wanted,
0: yeah. I just want Sorry. to come in and say, and just... Because a lot lot has been talked about the style of play and, you know, Murray is seen as a more pragmatic approach and would have box kicked. And it may have been a case of the Lions playing the spring box at their own game, which is often thought of as probably not the right thing to do. If you cast your mind back to the World Cup, that's pretty much what Wales did. Um, They kept it an arm wrestle and they got to within, you know, 30 seconds of going, you know, into extra time and you know, potentially beating the Springboks, they got a hell of a lot closer than England did, uh, in the final when England perhaps didn't try to beat them at their own game and tried to play this kind of style where they put a bit more pace on it, and a bit more width, you just got swallowed up. Um, so, so you know, is there something to be said here for perhaps pragmatism being the, the more favoured approach?
1: Yeah. I, mean, I was just gonna you know, the one point about that England World Cup final match, I mean, ultimately. England lost that because of the scrum. I mean, they were just... Their foundation was taken away. They lost Sinclair, didn't they, to concussion. And the scrum imploded, so they had no platform. So I think any kind of direction limit of travel they had planned for that game went out the window. It was fascinating watching, at least in the documentary, about the Springboks and the whole World Cup experience. And Razzie Erasmus, who was the... um, who was the coach of the Spring Box at the time you know, before the semi final against Wales? Kind of almost at the last minute, changed his plans. He was, was going to try and play a very wide open spaces channels game and decided, no, we'll take on Wales up front. It was almost like, because Wales were pretty clearly going to do that. And it was kind of almost a machismo thing, and the, the box had to take them on. So both sides got drawn into it, and it was very, very tight. So it, it goes back to what I said right at the start when you play the box, what's the best approach? Do you take them on in the arm wrestle? Do you match them there and try and get on top of them? Or do you look for parity there and try and beat them in other areas? It, bottom line is they're not a very easy side to beat. You know, mm-hmm. We saw that in the World Cup. And then what happens is World Cup final, they're on top physically. They're on top physically. They're ahead. England are under pressure. Come the last 20 minutes the razor strikes come out wide, don't they? Both, I think, yeah. and Colby both score fine, fine tries. So they've got that pragmatism, which can be then supplemented by the rapier edge and attack. They're a fine side. The unknown aspect, of course, is they haven't played a test match of quality, of, of significance since that World Cup final, have they? So it's fascinating. Who knows what's going to happen? I presume you're going to ask this prediction soon, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think it's I I don't think it's a case of choosing one way or the other. I think it's a case of a mixing variety. and matching. I, yeah, I think I think you've got to keep your variety. I think you've got to you've got to match the box phys- physically. You've got to match them in the kicking game. The best way to, to break the box down is to kick behind them and to force them back. We saw New Zealand did it in the pool stage. Wales did it in the semi-final. England didn't didn't really do it in the final. So I think. That's going to be the thing. We, we've seen a lot of aimless kicking from the Lions on this tour. So that's something they're going to have to really tighten up. I think all three scrum halves haven't box kicked as as well as they can. And then but that's when you not
1: his strength though, Ben, is it particularly? No, but he does.
2: Gatlin has spoke about him having a good, you know, he's got a left-footed option as well. We've got Daly there with a left-footed option, even though they didn't use him as well as they could have against South Africa Ray. Obviously, Dan Biggers, one of the best in the world at, at sort of regathering his own kicks. And that's something that they'll do. And then when you get into those positions, potentially where you can then sort of, you're in the attack in half, you know, you, you can play with your things. That's when I think we'll see, it won't be wide, wide rugby, but it'll be the way that the forwards are set out. It'll be stretching the box so that their backline can't sort of, the box like to blitz from out to in. So the winger comes up and makes the decisions where he's going to hit. So I think we'll see a lot of decoys and a lot of stuff like that to expose them. We've seen Wales do it in the past. I remember Liam Williams scored a lovely try where basically Anscombe came off the back of a scrum and it's all that movement and motion from, from sort of wide. And I think that's what the Lions going to have at this league. A few tricks like that and a sort of a few sort of wide forward pods and, and tip on passes just to keep the box forwards moving and, and to stop them
1: from being so dominant in the tackle. I think you're right, to you mention Bigger there. I go back to the World Cup game in 2015. It was his own regather of an up and under, which led to Gareth Davis's try. There's nobody better in the world of rugby at it. He brings lots of things, but that in particular, in terms of getting yourself 20, 30 yards forward and retaining possession, he could have an absolutely pivotal role to play there. Because I've seen in the past, Willie Ralu, great player, not always the best in the air. Not always the best in the air, best to be said. <laughs> All right, and we'll keep
0: things moving on. Um there is an interesting comment coming in here from Harley Worthy. Half bench halfbacks look like they're they there to shut the game out in the last twenty minutes, which kind of leads me on quite nicely to my next point. I want to talk about the spring box slightly. And if we're talking about how the benches are gonna be used, um, you know, if if Harley is right there and the Lions halfbacks are, are hoping to come on and close a game out, um, you look at the spring box bench, and as Simon has alluded to, that front row is arguably stronger than the one that starts. So, are we saying here that if the Lions are not in front by 50 minutes' time, then
1: something's gone wrong? I mean, you would say that the Lions' back at front row is pretty decent as well. I think, um, you know, Sutherland's had a fine tour, isn't he? Vast experience in Ken Owens, Sinclair's Dynamics. So I think the Lions will back themselves, but I think they certainly like to be in front. When I don't know what we call them now. The, the, the not the bomb squad. It's, it's the front row. The front the row replacements are. Sorry, yeah, I meant particularly the front finishes. The fin- finishers. Uh, the, um, the beasts. Let's call them that. The beasts. When the beasts come on, the, the front row beasts come on. It's um, and they. they it, it's interesting. They haven't stuck with the six-two because that was so effective from the World Cup, but they virtually changed the entire pack, hence the bomb squad coming on. Um, What what the coaches said is because of the COVID situation where Pollard and and Mempimpi have just come back from isolation, they didn't want to go just the two backs on the bench. So it's kind of a forced situation there. Um, but I think you will certainly see that, that front row maybe coming on en masse maybe 55 minutes and it'll be a daunting sight to see and uh, yeah the bench will play a massive massive role and uh, yeah I, I think it's it's a hard game to call it really is yeah
0: all right well it's about time we get your predictions isn't it, on that note um, before we shoot off uh, what do we think then Ben let's put our cards on the table uh, you, you've had long enough to look at them and um, what do you think is going to transpire
2: on Saturday? You know what? I genuinely haven't thought about a result once when I've been looking at these teams. Um, I know we just talked about the bench and, and whether the Lions need to be ahead, but, you know, you look at that Box A game and, and South Africa wilted a fair bit because they're just so short game time. So I don't, think it, it, I don't think, you know, the front row isn't exactly the sort of place where you, you're looking for fresh lungs. So I, I don't know how much that's going to sort of affect things. I think... I can just see the Lions nicking this one. I think they'll be a bit more clinical um, than they were sort of last Wednesday night. And I think they'll they'll just get out ahead sort of late on um, as long as they're not sort of caught caught too cold, which shouldn't be the case like it was sort of in 2009.
0: Mm. All right, then. so are we saying you think the Lions are going to get a job done?
2: Yeah, say let's go 23-21 to the Lions. Oh, okay.
1: So what do you think? Well, I've said it all along two one to the Springboks in the series overall. The World Champions are a very good side. You could argue that if the Lions are to get one, well, you'd like to think they get more. That the first test is the one to go for. I find it very difficult, but I just think in terms of the overall strength of the box and the physicality, and then you know you you do have you know a world class man in Faf clerk at nine. Um, you can see him bossing things. out a quality 10. Dale Amde, probably the best, arguably the best 12 in the world. I just think that 9, 10, 12 on the back of a very strong pack might just edge it. So I'm going to go 25, 20 to the Spring Box. Oh,
0: okay, there we go. What about, what, what
1: about yourself? What about yourself?
0: I, 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 that's not in my remit, Ben. I'm just here to oh, control Come on. The circus. Uh, no, if you want to push, want to push me, yeah. I would I would probably head for the Lions. Um COVID, isolations, no game time, well, severe lack of game time really for the Springboks in the last two years. You know, I think we saw that they didn't finish particularly strongly in the South Africa A game. I know there's a different some different personnel now in this one, but I think that was a good hit out. I think the Lions will have benefited from that quite heavily um to, to go into the first test well prepared and you know, like, like we've touched on, there probably are things that have been held back. And I think when they got into a rhythm, particularly in the, the first quarter of the second half, the Lions started to cause real problems. I know South Africa were men down at that point, um, but you just started to see them get into their attacking patterns a little bit. And, and, and work, you know, they were just coming deep, deep, deep just to get outside that blitz with a lot of pullback passes. And it worked quite, quite effectively. Um, so you know I think the Lions are probably better prepared for this match Uh, now obviously everything will go out the window when that whistle blows on Saturday afternoon but I think um, if you wanted my cards on the table I think the Lions to edge it slightly I think if they don't win on Saturday it's very hard to see them coming back to win the series Um, you know and I don't think you could say the same for South Africa because I think they'll definitely get stronger as the series wears on um, but I think the Lions probably have to win on Saturday to, to put themselves in a position to win overall. So there we have it. That's my views. That's, Ben's views. that's Simon's views. Um, that's it for the show today. Thanks for sending in all your comments. That was great fun. Uh, we got around as many as we could. Uh, now, obviously, we've given our views. Warren Gatlin is about to give his view uh, on things at midday. Uh, And then, of course, it's full steam ahead to the first test, uh, Lions versus the Springboks on Saturday. You'll be able to catch all of that right here in Wales Online.